Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. However you found us, we're glad that you're here as we get a behind the scenes look at the Pursuit Spirits brand. I'm your host, Brian Bikey, and joining me as always, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? He's uh, taking a little holiday today, so it's just me and Kenny. Last time we talked and we said, Ryan's like, I always work, we're always working. And what do you know? Lo and behold, he's actually out not working today. So. Yeah. It's just us. We're we're the ones putting in the effort to make this thing happen. Yeah, I often I often message out. We have a a calendar, but I do also often message out just to get verification and I'm normally just pointed back to the calendar saying <laughs> if it's on the calendar, it's happening. And so, much to my surprise when I af- confirmed that we would be recording tonight, that Ryan's like, "Sorry, everybody. I'm I'm hanging loose." So he's on a tritune somewhere, probably just getting pulled by a boat and maybe getting flipped into the the lake. But other than that, like I said, it's one of those things that, I mean, I was here. We'll take the opportunity. I'll take a solo go at it for once. That's right. And I think that the the topic that we're going to be talking about tonight is probably, I don't want to say it doesn't apply to him, but I want to say that you've probably had a lot more hands on in regards to it. So why don't we just kind of jump right on into to what we're talking about. And we have previously recorded an episode where we introduced and we talked about the ambassador program and we talked about what that does uh, for the brand and, and why we did that. So we won't necessarily rehash uh, all of those uh, bits of information. If you want to, you can reference back to the other podcast that we did about that. But what I want to talk about now is that as we've been onboarding, new ambassadors and as we've been having some some sit down meetings or some lives with them and really feeling out what has been and has not been working in the markets with the stores and with the customers what are the things that we've learned from the ambassadors that we didn't know prior or that we thought we knew prior and so Kenny as you've been uh, kind of the main host and an information giver outer for the program it's uh, kind of apropos to have you here uh, diving into some of that. Do you want to do a little lead in before we start kind of diving into some of these talking points that we've, that we've uh, already identified? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's one of those things that, yeah, I, I guess I'm the, the conduit to it all. I'm also the, the lead documenter and everything like that, but it's, it's been one of those things that, yeah, we've, we've harped on it a few times on this episode or sorry, on this podcast before about what the ambassador pr- program really does for pursuit spirits and and how we need these people to be our voices in the market. But it's one of those things too, is that the, the idea for this show and this particular episode was to figure out what have we learned about our process and what I thought was going to work and it doesn't necessarily work. And because as much as I want to say like, Hey, here's the blueprint, here's your script. This is what you need to follow. I mean, it's the same exact, it, what was Mike Tyson's famous quote? Like, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> like, it's, it's the same exact thing. It's like, you, you think you have an idea of what you want the message and the delivery to be. However, it's never always going to be that way, considering you're not the one there and you don't, you're not reading the room every single time. Plus, at this point, some of our ambassadors are way more experienced at it than we are. And they are proving that uh, what processes, what sort of things to say, how do you convey the brand and what that, how that really sticks. And that's been so great to be able to see is because we can go back and we can start refining our processes and what we're saying and and marketing material and kind of all that other kind of stuff that, that comes along with it to try and figure out, well, how do we start 
putting the right message forward that really resonates with the most people. So that's, uh, and we can already say that one that doesn't resonate is Ambarana. <laughs> that's right. But then again, it's it's also, and that's what we'll probably set the stage with this is that we've got to understand is that if you are, and I beat the horse to death every single time. If you're listening to this podcast, you listen to Bourbon's Pursuit, you know who we are. Say it, Brian. You're a niche, niche, niche. Shoot, I don't even know how to. You're a niche of a niche of a niche. Yeah, I mean that's that's the good thing that we've been able to do is is try to figure out exactly what what are people saying and what are they doing. And that and I know I've said it before is that we have to have this ambassador program because the people that do listen to this aren't necessarily the the overall population that we need to reach. We need to get into the average and everyday consumer and stuff like that. So let's kind of break it down. Like what have we been learning and, and how are people trying to convey themselves uh, and being able to, to start talking about this? Uh, and there's been a, a few things that that have kind of come out of this. And, and the first one is the big one. And I'll kind of talk about that one. And we'll, we'll definitely break this down. But that was, and by the way, I want to give a shout out to Mike Delore and Steve Breen, they're two of our, probably the, the ambassadors that they've sold the most every single time and, and they, they keep knocking out of the park. And so I had them lead this session to kind of talk about what works well for them. And Mike's suggestion, which has actually started to work out, there's some other ambassadors that started using this, is to say, lead with the rye, which you might think, well, um, you know, you, you go in and you're like, hey, I, I'm, I'm a bourbon person. I just, I just want to try the, I want to try the bourbon. I don't want to try the rye. And, and he convinces people to say, you got to start with the rye. And I'm sure you can probably start thinking, if, you, if you're listening to this and you've had the bourbon and you have the rye, especially if you had 7cc, the version, well, if you try the rye first, it's almost a little bit easier going. It's not as punchy. It's not as um, uh, uh, polarizing, I guess you could say, at the end of the day, because the rye is just, it's a sweeter side of rye. It's something that you can easily get behind. And Brian, I'm sure you've had the rye before as well, that uh, when you have it, you're just like, oh, all right, this, is a, this is a pretty good rye. It actually kind of tastes like a bourbon. I wouldn't know if it was a rye if you would have put it in a blind lineup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was at, when, when I saw this point too, I was actually trying to go back to the flight that, that I like to lead people through. And I couldn't remember if it starts off with this or, um, or where it starts off. But I know a lot of people, they prefer to line up the bourbons prior to the rise because they have the polarizing profiles and you don't want to, you know, mix whatever things up. But yeah, I also agree. And I think that, you know, if you're going to get somebody's palate set up to, to notice the sweetnesses in a bourbon that has rye in it, that starting with a rye can help. This is not, this is not to take away from how enjoyable the rye can be on its own. That's not what, that's not what I'm getting at. But I think that you start to neutralize some of those flavors that is from the very beginning that will be through line through all those products. And uh, I think it allows the, the sweetness of the bourbon to come through, especially because a lot of the people who are going to be tasting, they're probably not experts. They're probably not, you know, huge profile people. And if you can grab them from the beginning with rye, then you may have just switched them from something that they thought they were going to be coming in and grabbing anyway. Oh, for sure. And that's one of those things about the Pursuit United Rye. It is it does have this sweetness to it that it doesn't fit that typical rye profile. So you tip you usually do. I mean, that's what they've said is like you've got to have people. You got to convince them to try the rye first because some people go, "I'm I'm not a rye drinker. I'm not a rye drinker." But when they do it, they they kind of like a light bulb goes off in their head. But the funny thing is, is that at least from some of our ambassadors that started picking this up, they're finding out that the rye outsells the bourbon two to one now. Mm. 
because of this sort of switch in mentality. Because as soon as you try the rye, it's a little bit easier, a little bit try to, try to you know, take down. And then they try the bourbon. So once people try the bourbon, the way that some of the ambassadors said this is that it's a true 108. Like you're going to get that full body experience. It's going to be the full mouth feel. You're going to get a little more of the burn that comes with the, the Pursuit United bourbon. And that's was definitely a seven CC. I'd say batch two was a little bit more easier going that a little more on the sweeter side of things. But that was one of those things that they really found out is that people find that they, as soon as they try the rye first and then try the bourbon, they go, well, let me try that rye again. And that's when we can start trying to, and I mean, as bad as it sounds like Ryan and I, we talk all the time. We're like, it's, it's really weird that when we talk to distributors, they're like, we need more bourbon. We need more bourbon. We need more bourbon. And we're kind of like, but our rye is really goddamn good. Like, like, what? Yep. like we've got to get more people on it. I mean, if Sagamore was able to build an entire business on their rye and we're using a lot of their products, like there should be something that should gravitate towards there. Now I get it. It's all marketing and some other things, but the product in itself is just phenomenal. I think that what we've been able to put together is something that is uh, truly remarkable and it definitely stands up much as the reason why we have all these metals behind our names with our products as well. But that just kind of goes to show you that we're, we're creating something that's a really good product and we just need to keep pushing that and resonating with it. And I think there's a lot of other kind of points that, that stick that, that come from here as well, especially when you start talking about the rye and that's the state of origin. I know a lot of people have said, you know, when you start talking about this, like it's a true Kentucky and Maryland rye whiskey blend and nothing on the shelf is going to taste anything like this. And that's the reason why the rye really outsells the bourbon when you can talk about it in that way, because people that have tried rye, what do you think they've tried before, Brian? 95.5. All the same stuff that everybody else has. Exactly. And so it's like, if you want something different, you want to try something new and interesting that isn't the same thing that you've always had. Well, here's your opportunity to do that. And I think what we've been able to, I don't think, I know what we've been able to put together is a kick-ass ride that pretty much holds well up to anything and kind of, I would say, punches above its weight class against any of the bigger ones that are out there on the market too. Yeah. Have you heard, did you hear on that kind of point, um, did you hear from anybody about whether or not, you sent a picture the other day where you were just trying to like, you were looking at what Pursuit looks like on a shelf with a bunch of the brands. Uh, and in that particular photo, it's separated out bourbons and, you know, you didn't see the side of the shelf that's all rise. Do you hear any feedback from anybody in regards to stores that have it, um, th them all gravitated towards one another where Oak Collection could be next to the bourbon, could be next to the rye and whether or not, you know, th that is more or less helpful. This is probably maybe more from the stores than it is from the the ambassadors versus a store that sections it out by by type because even in those stores like you sent that picture i would feel like it would, might even be harder to lean towards pursuit united rye because it i almost always have my back to the rye section oh totally and i think that's it's definitely a store by store thing so you can only take it you know so much i mean and by the way the the picture that he was talking about was from total wine i, I sent a picture of our stuff at total wine and i said can you spot our bottle and the unfortunate thing is even some total wines they do everything by alphabetical order so even if you try to put your something somewhere else like it doesn't matter since we're p we're gonna be next to o or whatever it is and and by the way if we're next to penelope that's okay like they're, they're doing okay so hopefully we get to if people are looking down there you'll find us as well but i would say that that does hurt us 
a little bit because you don't get to see all the bottles next to each other. We don't have a whole lot of SKUs out there. And if we only have, say, a store brings on our, just our flagship, we only got one bourbon, one rye. Well, it's a lot easier. I mean, it, th- let's take a great example. You look at Barrel Bourbon, you look at that on the shelf, and you look at Barrel Bourbon, they've got anywhere between, at minimum, three up mm-hmm. to sometimes 10 right next on the shelf that's eye-catching like that is something that you can really see and you're just like okay well there we go they they must have they must be doing something good versus just one this one little guy's got this there's bottle right here but we'll get there i think we'll get there with more skews and more things over time but i also i also kind of wish that you didn't have the rye in a different section than the bourbon only because most of them are all coming from the same i wish it was just like one maybe big american whiskey category yeah, yeah. Is probably the best way because a lot of them are all coming from the same place and there's not a whole lot of times when people go in they go i'm looking for a great bottle of rye today that's just not the hot word yep one thing that that's in my mind real quick so i, I feel i i don't know if it's one of the, the talking points we're going to talk to but i'll throw it out there um do you ever have folks who who do comparison things like they like they've said hey if you liked this particular product this is going to taste uh close to it at all and if have if they found anything with united and i I tell you i'll you know spoiler i'll tell you why so earlier today i was drinking the um i almost poured it but uh oh actually maybe i maybe that's what i was drinking right before the rye um the new chattanooga bottom bond and uh then i just so happened to also open and i was working on making some bachelor fashion with uh, a new bottling of the michter's um american whiskey and now, obviously, one is like 80-something proof and the other one's 100 proof. But, you know, Mictus products have a, a decent bit of like uh, oak char kind of age or whatever to it. And I was like, oh, this is, um, especially price comparatively, these are uh, interesting similar products. And as I'm tasting this United too, I feel like I would, if there's someone who normally comes in and, and maybe leans towards Pikesville or something like that, they'd grab that off the shelf. Just off the top of my head, without having a comparison, I would feel like that could be a good way to kind of like grab somebody and be like, hey, you know, or if you're normally used to being a Heaven Hill buyer, if you, you know, if you've stepped up from Rittenhouse, do you do you drink rye? That that would be something that maybe would would uh, exchange in their head. I've heard of that. This is, for all intents and purposes, comparison. Yeah. I mean, we say all the time and said, do you like Blanton's? Well, here you go. No, it's, uh, that's not really the way we go. But yeah, I mean, there are some people that that know their taste profiles very well and can say things like, oh, what, what, what kind of bourbon drinker are you? Oh, you, you like makers? Well, here, try our United Bourbon. We actually have a weeded bourbon that's actually a part of this blend that goes in here. Or you could say the same from the Willow lineup. You could say things for a, a lot of different things. You could try to find a tasting note. You say like, oh, what do you like about Eagle Rare? Is it that cherry note that is very prominent in a Buffalo Trace distillate? Well, you can always implant that seed in somebody's head and be like, when you taste this, like try to find a little bit of this kind of flavor note. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a little bit different here or something like that. I'm not going to say we're going to be completely uh, one for one apples to apples when it comes to a particular distillery, but you want to be able to, to lead them in a direction that makes them feel comfortable. I think this is one thing that we've had to learn over this process is that you need to let the purchaser become the hero. And we've talked about this before, Brian, is that how do you make them feel comfortable in their purchase so that they know that when they buy something that they are making a good purchase and they feel really good about it. And so if we can convince them 
or not really convinced, but you, as long as they try it. But it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of good talking points to just say, well, what do you like, and and let's figure out how we can kind of lead you down that same path with one of the products that we have here on the table as well. And that's an easy conversation to have because one of the things that I found out after going through all these doing, I don't know how many bourbon society meetings, clubs, Zooms, whatever it is. And I know that we're not going to hit the mark on everybody with our, all four SKUs, but I guarantee you that everybody likes or loves at least one of them. And so I say, we've got something for everybody on this table. And that's the one thing that I want to try to lead them with is saying that we can, we can find your whiskey here, even though we don't have 42 different SKUs and 10 different proof levels and whatever it is, we don't need that. We can give you a bourbon that we, or a rye whiskey that we know is going to fit your flavor profile and fit exactly what you want. And you're going to feel like a champion at the end because you're going to come up with a product that you know, that's good. You're going to feel that you've made a really good purchasing the day too. Have you ever thought about leading with the line, like having the ambassador say something like, now the guys who who started this brand, they were substitute single barrel pick organizers for, for <laughs> companies such as Jim Beam, Wild Turkey, Buffalo Trace, Flores, having all the brands, you know, they have stood in as the organizers for the single barrel picks at these distilleries. And people go, oh my gosh, they've worked everywhere. I wish we could say that could, that could that work, kind right? of clout. It's funny you say that because one of the things that I asked during this presentation that these guys were given and, and everybody that was on there, I said, at what point do you start talking about us in the podcast? And they go, we really don't. If we, we could sell the bottle like within the first five seconds of the first five sips, that's all we need to do. Because this is the one thing that is, it's hard for me to kind of grasp, mm -hmm. but we have to understand that we are not the general populace. We're not gen pop over here. And so we have to understand exactly how those people think and most people, which is, I just want something good and tasty. I don't care about the backstory. But this also goes into another process of you need to listen and figure out exactly and meet them where they are in this mm -hmm. process. Because if you give your 30 second or maybe even 15 to 20 second elevator pitch of what this is don't do that like just ask them if they want to try really tasty bourbon and then if they come back and they say oh can you tell me about this or can you tell me about x or tell me about the mash bill tell me about this tell me what's the background then you go into it you don't need to sit there and put the cart before the horse and try to establish credibility and validity before they even taste the product because they need to understand uh, whether they like it or not. And if they do, then that'll leave them wanting more information. That might even have them wanting to go and walk around the store and Google it as they're sitting there walking around. And then they'll come back and either want to try it again, or they'll just pick up a bottle because they're like, Hey, I did a little research on this. It's, there's some cool things going on there. But that was one of the things that kind of took me by surprise and as, I don't know, I guess as uh, a punch to the ego as much as you can get is that, no, people don't care if we got the largest whiskey podcast in the world. They don't. They just want something good. And I understand that we, we have a really cool story when it comes to there. And that's perfectly fine. Let's meet people where they are and let's make more fans out of them because what they can do is that if they go and they share it and it's just, it's that word of mouth. It's that, that you know, something that gets that ball rolling. And then from there, we can see if they want to start learning more and then they can become 
subscribers to Bourbon Pursuit or listen to Behind the Pursuit or whatever it is that brings people like us to do things like this and we all kind of get together and want to learn. And that's, I think that's a good thing. Uh, we don't need to sit there and pander to just the people that are going, all right, well, tell me about your mash bill. Well, is, it, is it better than Blanton's or blah, blah, blah. Like I, I, we have to be able to look beyond that and we have to find the people that want to be open to trying new things. So this might be pulling the cart before the horse here. So if it is, then then we'll just revisit it towards the the end then. But, um, you know, from from what you've heard and even the things we've talked about so far, specifically this point here, you know, do you feel like you have a similar reaction when you or Ryan lead a tasting um, versus what some of these ambassadors are running through? Like, have you have you purposely tried to do a a tasting with somebody where you don't talk about the podcast and you're like i actually reach them because i know normally you and ryan just go it's either right it's actually against some of these points that we're talking about right it's like it kind of dives deep or it hits we are the podcast so i guess the question mainly is do you think that you have differences in in the interactions that you will have with people when doing a tasting or is all this kind of revelation that we're going through kind of new information? Do you think you'll try anything different at all? Or, yeah. Yes and no, I mm -hmm. guess is the best way to put it. So mm -hmm. there's there's different context to what Ron and I do versus what the ambassadors do. And those lines will start to get blurred more and more as our ambassador team gets more comfortable with doing long form presentations. For the most part, Ron and I, we, and even ambassadors as well, is when you're in a liquor store, you've got 15 to 30 seconds to give your pitch, have them try it, and see if they want it and move on. That's not what bourbon societies, that's not what pairing dinners, that's not what those types of environments are for. And so the context truly changes because that is a more of a, like this podcast, it's a long form way of being more of a storytelling opportunity. And you can really go diving deep into the history and everything like that. But the people that are there at the store that are just making a, a, a bottle purchase, they're not necessarily enthralled with the backstory. They're looking either for something fun or new or different or just trying to get something that's a, a kind of a, I don't want to say a quick hit. God, it sounds like they're drug dealers or something like that. But they are looking for something to just kind of grab off the shelf and go they're not looking to sit there for a 45 minute spiel and understand exactly where we started from and where we're going and where the future entails and the blending process and how we got to the proof and all this other kind of stuff. Those are much longer form scenarios. Whereas we have to truly condense that story into something that you can just do in 20 to 30 seconds. And, and when I say that story, there is no story. That's, that's the reason why promo people do things for all these other brands because they don't have to know the story. They just say, hey, you want to try something? Here you go. You want a bottle? Here you go. Like, that's it. Like, that's that's the magic formula. Uh, and it's just making sure you, you put the right product in front of them and give them just enough wanting to ask some more. Mm-hmm. So we got another point here too, and I just would be curious to hear what uh, some of the feedback's been, where you talk about using some of the some of the terminology like startup small brand local so if we're not hitting on the story if we're not hitting about the origin talk about what what has meant for the ambassadors to to 
talk about themselves and what they're doing as an ambassador that talks about who you all are and how that kind of is a quick shift instead of talking about the story. Yeah. There's, there's always buzzwords that always grab you. I mean, if you're sitting there and you're pulling up Yelp and you're looking for a restaurant or you're looking on TripAdvisor for recommendations or you're looking for a hotel and you don't want to stay at a, say a Marriott or Hilton, but you want something local. You want something craft. You want something that is something that you just can't get anywhere else. Those are the buzzwords that typically resonate with you. I mean, Brian, that's the reason why you love not, I would say, mass-generated type of coffees, right? Mm -hmm. You want something that is truly unique, that's different, that's from a small brand. That's one of those things that you have to be able to captivate. You have to read people as well, because if you're in a specialty kind of shop, let's say you're in a Justin's House of Bourbon. You don't go to Justin's House of Bourbon to go and try to buy a a 1.75 liter of a value brand of Evan Williams. Like you don't do that. Like you're going there because you want to find something different. You want to find something unique. And to be able to sit there and, and pull those types of words out that really resonate with that type of customer. So if you come in and you say, hey, this is a bourbon brand, it's by a startup. I mean, that's one of those things that a lot of people like to rally around a startup because they are, I wouldn't say trying to take on the big guys or the big market, but you know that a startup is doing something different. I look at that in the tech world because everything inside of the tech world that's coming from a large organization they're usually not doing anything groundbreaking. All they're usually doing is either following the trends of what somebody else is doing or they acquire somebody else because they didn't do it soon enough. I think that probably holds true with everything else in most other verticals or in most other types of arenas here. And so if you want to sit there and you to say, okay, I can, I can rally behind a startup. And one of the things we also like to call ourselves is a broke startup. So you feel like you're helping out the small guy. I feel that that's one of those things that you you kind of look at it and you say, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm I don't want to say doing my part, but you want to sit there and say, oh, I might have something that nobody else has. There is a feeling of, of I want to say maybe exclusivity, like you have just something that's very exclusive or very... Uh, very poignant, very something that nobody else has. And therefore you feel better about your purchase. And so finding small things like that will, will help elevate it. I know some of our people that are based here in Louisville, you mentioned earlier, you used the word like local, mm -hmm. like that's a, that's a big one. I mean, if you want to be part of a community and you want to be, feel like you're building something, that's one of the things that have really stuck home because we're not a, for lack of a better term, we've been talking about drinking Jim Beam products before we started recording. We're not Jim Beam. Uh, we're not headquartered in Japan. We're not a multi-billion dollar organization. We don't have endless supplies of marketing budgets that could crush anybody. No, we're a small brand. We're local. We're right down the street. We're part of your neighborhood. We're part of your community. You could catch me at the neighborhood picnic or whatever celebration will be coming along. I, I think those are the things that we want to try and, and stress that that we're a part of this. Um, we all have, um, you know, something to to be able to provide as a part of just being that being that being that community. And that's that's really the things that hopefully we can kind of really nail that home. That's that's what I want to do because those small little buzzwords 
can mean a lot to a, 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 a demographic that, that does care about it because you don't want a mass marketed product. You don't want something that just everybody else has, but instead you want something that's truly unique, different, and kind of just says something that that's me. I want to be a part of that tribe. Yeah, I thought it was weird when I walked in the store and I saw the 10% off lawn care um, neck tags on the bottles, but you know, it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> we're, we're doing what we can. We're trying the coupon route now. That's right. That's right. You, you know, funny, yeah, yeah, Groupon, coupons. It's funny you say that. I remember a long time ago. Do you remember Jefferson's used to have hang tags that had dollar bills on them? No. Yeah, I remember that. Like you, you. I mean, they had hang tags that were like underneath the seal, mm-hmm. but it was like a five dollar bill. And so when you checked out, you could open it up, and that was your five dollar rebate. It was literally instant, a folded up five dollar instant bill. rebate. Yeah. Man, that feels good. That feels yes. good. It makes me feel good about your purchase. That's right. But I don't know. And that's, you know, speaking of just other small things that people resonate with, one of the ones that uh, a few people talk about all the time is, and anybody that listens to this knows this, is that this is not a full-time job. Ryan and I, we still have the day jobs. We got the podcast. We got the families. We're trying to build this business. And it's the word hustle. And the and that the fact that, oh, and this is this is actually one that, was worked pretty well is that some of the ambassadors will say, Oh yeah, I do this because I'm truly passionate about the brand and what they're building and they can't be here. They've got kids soccer games. They've got family obligations. They got all this stuff. And, and it's truly something that I have an interest in helping building because I know where I know the quality of the whiskey. I know exactly sort of like where it's going to go as well. And so that, that, is a connection that they're building with the customer, especially if somebody's sitting there walking around and they've, you know, say they're chasing their toddler around the store. Holy crap. Like you're, you're just made a, a, a big one-on-one sort of moment there. You just got to find the right consumer. And that's one of those things that as a, as an ambassador, or even as a normal human, you're listening to this, you just have to know how to read people. You have to know how to have a conversation. You have to understand to be a little bit salesy, especially if you're going to be doing this. And it's hard to say that because I'm typically not a salesperson. That's not my attitude. That's not how I go into things. But we're all salespeople at the end of the day. If you want to go eat somewhere in particular that maybe your, you know, your wife says like, hey, where should we go eat tonight? And she goes, I don't know. Oh, you become the salesman, right? You, you start saying, well, I've got these five ideas where I think that I'd like to go. Don't be wrong. Sometimes all five of them she'll say no to as well. But at, at some point there will be a cave and you'll find somewhere. So you become a salesman at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's really just where you have to put that hat on and make sure that you make your case, put in the the two or three bullet points that you know will resonate that typically do very well. And you can throw in some of those buzzwords. You can start talking about different things, but just kind of understand and meet people where they're at. And I think that's one of the things too, is that when, when people do come up for these tastings, they'll say, you'll, you'll, you'll approach them and say, oh, how, how long have you been drinking bourbon? Oh, I just started you know, a few months ago. Or, oh, I've been drinking bourbon for 10 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that is a way that you can start gauging the consumer to try to figure out, well, all right, uh, well, tell me more about it. Like what bourbons have you tried? What have you liked? Especially for somebody that's new to it. Somebody that's the old guard, if you will, and say, are you interested in trying something new? Something that you've never had before? Well, I can, I can guarantee you anything that you're going to try here is not like anything that you've had in the past. 
the same exact thing can go for somebody that it comes up to this. And by the way, this is a this is a genius idea, and it might either throw people for a loop or piss people off. We'll see what happens here. Is that somebody goes, well, I'm not really much of a whiskey drinker. And they'll go, well, do you like cocktails? I go, well, yeah, I enjoy cocktail. So one of our other all-star ambassadors, Mike, so I'll, I'll give him a shout out here. So what he does now is he brings a Sprite with him to every single tasting. Mm. And so what he'll do is he'll say, oh, so you like cocktails. And so he'll make, uh, you call it a highball, but it's essentially just uh, 30 to 70% of whiskey to Sprite. And you try it and they're like, oh, this is really good. And you'd be amazed how many he sells because he basically sells a a Sprite and whiskey. Mm -hmm. And that is one of those things that's like, you just have to meet people where they are. And that's when... It, I remember the first time he said that, I kind of cringed. I go, we're not, we're not a mix in whiskey. And then I go, wait a minute. No, let's meet people where they are. Like, let's figure out exactly what is going to make them happy. What's going to make them feel good about their purchase. And if they want to buy a $65 mixer, by all means, let's do that. Like, let's show them that they can have a really good product. And that's where we talk about how we can use United and Cocktails we're one of the only ones, I mean, granted, there's a lot of stuff that's barrel strength out there, but we're at a very aggressive price point with our proof as well. $65 for 108. I mean, I could probably figure out maybe less than 10 other bottles on the shelf that might be in that same sort of price to proof ratio. So you're going to take that and you're going to put into a cocktail. And that's what we say, like, this will really hold well in cocktails because if you're, if you're buying a cocktail, drink that you know your mixer for thirty dollars well good luck getting anything that's over a hundred proof for thirty dollars so at that point is the is the whiskey is the spirit really shining through so we want to make sure that we emphasize that part of the story and making sure that they understand well this is going to make a a great old-fashioned or maybe a great mixer i don't know hell mix it with mountain dew for all i care if we become the drink that overtakes wild turkey with mountain dew more, let's let's go ahead and you know, I start think, signing the checks. I think um, I think United Rye with a Code Red Mountain Dew could actually could actually turn out real real nice. Maybe a Baja Blast. You know, there's only one way to find out. We just got to go to Taco Bell. We just got to go to Taco Bell. That's gonna be <laughs> that's that's gonna be some good real content. We're gonna have to figure out which Mountain Dew tastes best with it. I don't. Uh, if there are other points we want to hit, I want to make sure we get on those. But uh, on on at least the topic that you were talking about, I kind of figured a good kind of closing question or, or a way to maybe close start closing it up. Of all the things we've talked about tonight, I'd be really curious to hear what you thought you knew. So that's the way you started off is, is you know, that, that you've learned things that are different than what you thought you knew about your approach to what the ambassador should do to how people will receive your brand and, and be willing to taste. So I'd be curious just to hear, you know, how, and I know you've talked about it in little ways with, with all these points a a little bit, but yeah, what, what did you go in expecting? What did you go in thinking was going to be the way people were going to be able to receive and portray pursuit spirits? I I know I've, I've talked about it a little bit here and there for the most part, I always thought, well, the brand is the brand is about us. The brand is about Ryan and I. It's about what we've built. It's what we've put together. It's about this is the the stake in the ground that says these guys have interviewed absolutely 
everybody who's anybody in the bourbon whiskey industry, they spent thousands of hours leaching this information to create a product that is really going to hit home for the whiskey geek. And you should try it if you want to be a whiskey geek too. And that is the wrong message. That does not resonate. Now, there are ways that we can finesse that, massage it a little bit to make it say, well, listen, there's so much whiskey in the shelves, but you should try this one because of the thousands of hours that were put in that I know you're going to be really happy with your purchase. But that's one of the things that we've learned is that people don't care about the story. People only care if it tastes good. And Ryan has been doing a phenomenal job of doing some more, I guess you could say consumer behavior analysis, if that's what you're going to point it as, of trying to figure out, well, what gets the most engagement when we look at social media? Or what gets people really understanding or you know, just wanting to be diving more into a particular product? And it's never the story. It's never the process. It's what's it like in a cocktail? How do I make it with food? Like all these things that have a wider appeal versus going deep into a narrow niche. And that has been one of the things that's been, we have to, we have to go back and we have to assess and analyze and, and make sure we, we re-strategize when it comes to that because we cannot rest on the laurels to say, oh, we've built this brand. We've got this, we've got this many followers. Like nobody, nobody gives a shit. Like nobody cares. We have 50,000 or 65,000 followers on Instagram or 189,000 on tech. Nobody gives a shit. Like they care about it. It tastes good. And they want to feel like they are making a good purchase. So if we change that up a little bit and we try to make sure that we tailor the message to say, try this, it's not like anything else that you've had out there. I That's three seconds of just making sure that somebody is intrigued about the product. They try it and they go, okay, tell me more. That's when you start getting those hooks in and you start sinking it in where the message can start portraying a little bit longer. And that's just one of those things that that's, but that's a, that's an in-person sort of like, you know, you've got that 30 second window to really hit somebody and, and capture their attention. And so we have to continually work on making sure that that is that, that short little burst of, of time to capitalize on. That's a completely different topic than when we get into whiskey societies and festivals and everything else where those are our people. That's where we congregate. Those are the ones that want to know more about the deep side of the story. But those are usually going to be the harder sell. All the time, that's the harder sell. We came in thinking we want to make sure that we make a whiskey for the whiskey geek because that's who we are. That's who we stand for. And that's why we want you to try this. Those are the people that we have to convince the most. We were talking before here, and we're talking about Jim Beam's 17-year release and their 18-year release and whatever. We're like, oh, yes, absolutely. We're all on that. And then to say, oh, I've got this four to six-year-old bourbon blend from these two podcasts you just try. Like, <laughs> like get out of here. Like, no, we don't care. And and so that's one of those things that, yeah, we, we've got to realize. That I know we have a great product. We have we we hit above our weight class. We're winning gold medals and double goals and all this other kind of stuff. And, and we have to continually try and make more believers out of the people that will probably criticize us the most. However, there is a, a, a huge population out there of people that will just care about buying something good because they like it. And it's because they're not influenced by what, 
you know, they're, they're not reading all the press releases. They're not trying to figure out what's the latest and greatest and next release or whatever. They're just, it's the Costco sales model and they're there and they're trying something like, oh, okay, cool. I'll put it in my cart. And hopefully you make a fan that way. And it's just a, it's a slow buildup. And as soon as we start getting to that point where this slow buildup starts kind of snowballing, then we're going to be in for a wild ride. And I'm really excited for that to happen. If only you guys could give them something, you know, sexy and exotic, like a, mm, like, like, a, a like a different kind of cask, like a Brazilian Amberana finish. <laughs> yeah, weird. That's what I th- I think when you really think about it and you really think about the whiskey geek and then the general consumer, I think they want exotic, man. I think we need to, I think, I think you and I can make this decision now. Without and, Ryan? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's Let's just. Go ahead and put in the order. Like I think this, it's just, I think it's just time for us to make that executive decision. And, uh, and well, Ryan I just, I mean, he, he had his opportunity to be here uh, to plead his case. So. Well, I mean, I agree, but I I got to I'm still going to put my guns down. I'm, I'm going to be with Ryan. I'm gonna, if I draw that line in the sand, we're we're going to be team Noam Barana. I'm sorry. Okay, here's Ryan, that's just the way. It, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Here's okay. What I'm going to get my I'm going to get my Ambarana chips. And I'm and I'm going to I'm going to do I'm going to do this. And you don't you don't know when. And you don't know how, but it's coming. It's like slaps giving, huh? That's right. <laughs> All over again. <laughs> That's right. So I will say this, and, and Ryan and I, we have pretty much agreed that we have to quit fighting the finishing trend. Hmm. There's there's no way that we can get around it as much as we want it. And we still, don't get me wrong, we, like, we still love our flagship urban flagship ride and think it's great product, but the the new whiskey drinker isn't the same and the new people that are coming into it it's not the same category and type of people that were getting into it five seven plus years ago people are coming into it and they're like oh i want my whiskey to taste different i want it to taste like this and blah 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 blah. the way that the this category has shifted and anybody that listens to bourbon pursuit knows you listen to this week in bourbon there is so many damn new releases out all the time and it's typically based on some kind of finishing vessel and that is what keeps people in the mind and mind share and the limelight and we have to continue to innovate i hate using the word innovate but damn it whatever you want to call it innovation we'll call it innovation but we have to continue to start moving that direction because that is what is going to make us stand out as being a young whiskey brand. You can't compete with the Jim Beams of the world in their 17-year releases. Don't care what you do. But this is how you can create small little niches, small little segments, one-offs that will get people to continue buying new things from you. Uh, as much as we want people to keep downing by the way i would say downing but keep drinking responsibly your bottles of united and keep buying more of them but you do want to try something different and as much as we want to be like the whole thought process was like we'll be like michter's or weller 107 where it's just something that people love that you can always get always available on the shelf and that's just going back to other things that we've been learning like we have to understand the consumer behavior and where we fit into all this and so i think you will see more stuff out of us into that sort of line but 
forever team Noam Barana. Well, just as a maybe an aside, uh, if you were to take your Pursuit Spirits hat off for just one second, what do you think about that comment about the the new whiskey drinker trend changing? And are we going to see this for a long time? If you're one of the big six, you, you, Heaven Hill, Brown Foreman, Campari, blah, 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 you don't really have anything to worry about. Well, I don't. I shouldn't say that because what was Wild Turkey's newest release that they're coming out with? Rome. Rome. Like, and so even they're following that trend. Everybody's moving in that direction. Now, do they have to? No, because most of them have the stocks that they can have some sort of double-digit age statement. They can come out with really super premium whiskeys at that at that level, and I think that's one of those things that. Brian and anybody that's been in here a while is God dang, like we were, we got lucky. Like we got lucky 10 plus years ago getting into this because we had tons of really good whiskey at our fingertips. I mean, we're talking 10 to 17 year old bourbons that were readily available on the shelf. And we had really damn good bourbon that was Oh, just the oak character and just everything just all lined up. There was just a lot of stuff. And this is where we start seeing the the bourbon boom come in and you start all those age statements start disappearing. And most of the stuff that comes out is within that five to six year range. Now, Blanton's is the only outlier because Blanton's has always been six years old. However, we look at just where the the trend of the whiskey category is going. And unless you are coming from one of those staples, you know, it's it's an Elijah Craig, it's a Blanton's, it's an Eagle Rare, it's a Russell's Reserve, whatever it is, you have a really hard time sticking out. And that shows you why Penelope did so damn well, mm-hmm. because they don't make a ton. I mean, they do make a ton, but they're, they're the engine that pulls the horse or engine that pulls the cart or what I don't know what I'm saying anymore, engine that pulls the train. It's not the white label Penelope four grain three year small batch. It's not that. I mean, they they get the hype from all of the other, you know, there tons of skews that they have from toasted to all their finished products. And that's I think that's where a lot of brands have to start living, because you have to find something that what is going to keep the not the average consumer, but the mid level consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're going to be out of the realm of the beginner. Like the beginner is not going in and buying a bunch of toasted products. That's just not what they're doing. You go to toast it after you've tried a few different things, but this is where you have those sort of like mid-level or somebody that's looking for the next thing. And so that's what they do. They start gravitating towards finishes or actually, you know what? I'm going to take that all back because maybe I'm just talking off my ass here because it's like, I've talked to people all the time and they've been drinking bourbon for two months and they're like, what's your favorite bourbon? Or I'll say that and they'll go angels envy. And I have to go, mm, I got I to gotta bite my tongue on this one. So we look at that and we say, all right, well, this is just where the modern day bourbon drinker is going. Like they consider Angel's Envy bourbon. And we have to look at that and we have to say, well, that is that is where the palate's shifting. It's the sweeter side. It's the port. It's the wine finish. It's whatever. And let's just meet people where they're at. And and so it's a, it's a shifting landscape. And we're going to continue to make those shifts too to make sure that we can create products that that meet that need. Mm-hmm. 
but we also want to make sure we stay true to ourselves. And that's what I feel that we've done very, very well with the Oak Collection. And I, I, I love, I had a, a, somebody that emailed me earlier and they said, hey, I picked up both bottles and amazing. Like you all knocked out of the park because it's not overly done. Like the blend still, stein, still shines through, but the finish is still subtly there. And it's like, shit, like there it is. Somebody gets it. Like mm-hmm. they know exactly what we're going for. And so when we can make more people like that believers, like we'll, we'll be on the roller coaster. Kenny, thanks for your time tonight. Uh, really interesting hearing the insights and really it, it cool to kind of to hear you talk about, you know, ways that, that you thought things were going to go in a certain direction and, and that we have to see what the consumer is looking for and what the ambassadors are and the stores are saying is, is a way that people are receiving this brand. And it's really cool to hear you all sit down and talk about that, to face that, to, to think about it, wrestle with that, and then, you know, move in a direction and, and listen to the people who do that. You know, not all size companies would be able to do that. So... I uh, admire that and appreciate you sitting down and talking about that. Yeah. And now that we know Ryan's at the lake, I guess one thing we could probably start integrating is maybe like jet ski finished bourbon. Oh, yeah. Just figure out some way to like, just oh, put a rope on the back and just drag it along with you. Oh yeah. Just really we'll show, get that. We'll show Trey we can, we can innovate too. I think so. I think so. Thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode. Reminder, if you have any topics that you want us to get into, podcast at PursuitSpirits.com. Let us know what you think about the episodes. You can always interact with us. Send us an email on the subject of ambassadors or, or interaction with the brand in a store setting like that. Podcast at PursuitSpirits.com. Kenny, thanks for your time. Thank you all as always for tuning in to another episode. And until next time, we'll see you all later. I'll fill in for Ryan. Toodles. Toodles. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.